0: Hey, first of all, I want to say Alhamdulillah, God give me everything. Alhamdulillah. I know you got this, you don't like this. Alhamdulillah. Assalamualaikum. Alaikum, welcome to the MMA scene. It's your brother, Idris. Sadiq the nice crawly coming with the show to get you thinking right a blind man with opinions but not lacking sight I cover your favorite promotion get you ready for fight night with breaking news interviews and recaps analysis rankings and more is on tap Don't fight open-handed you ain't getting slapped but I do hold submissions till I feel the tap the host of the MMA scene, covering both the amateur and professional scenes. I'm not limited to the UFC or mainstream, but moving up the industry internationally. And more around it than Zabib Muhammad Sharapoff. I dominate the game like Habib Muhammadov. You better listen up, because for years I've been telling y'all my content's top notch. I'm submitting like Asgardov On Cage Press, I got my whole team with me. Post the MMA articles up on this site weekly. At Adris Crawley on Twitter if you want to debate with me, or that feedback button if you want to talk to me. Jump. Up here on your Friday, August thirteenth, it's your boy Idris Crawley, writer for KsitePress dot com, MMA scene blog, and obviously host of the MMA scene podcast. We're about just about a week up removed from UFC two forty two, where Habib Nurmagomedov defended his lightweight title successfully against interim lightweight champion dustin poirier going to talk a little bit about that and um touch on a few other things as well you know it's interesting when we head into every hubby fight now we hear a lot about oh this guy is the guy to beat hubby um for some reason everyone was saying it about dustin not realizing that he wasn't really the best matchup for Habib, if you look at his history in the UFC, um, but his striking was, you know, he has high level striking. He's he's a tough guy and has been on a win streak as of late. But Habib did everything to him he wanted to do basically, and you know, there was actually a debate uh, about which. Performance was better against Khabib, which it was It the um, Conor McGregor performance or was it the Dustin Poirier performance? It depends on really how you judge it because you know, some people scored round three for Conor McGregor against Khabib, but really, it, you know, it really did seem like Khabib took the round off like he took off rounds, um, I believe it was three and four against Ally Quinta. And, you know, in this fight with Dustin Poirier, he was dominant in the majority of the fight, but Dustin hurt, hurt him on the feet in round two, I think it was. And then in round three, he had him in, a, in a, a pretty good, pretty tight guillotine, so much so that um, Habib had to drop to a hip a few times, and, and he, he was in it for a decent amount of time but that that guillotine was was deep and i think when you judge a performance against habib it's not enough to be like okay this guy took this round from him it's like who you know had the best chance of putting habib in danger and every fight that you look at whether it be the ally quinta and michael johnson you know debatable whether or not he he hurt habib I, I think he tagged him um I think Dustin has put Habib in the most trouble thus far. <clears throat> but um, it was a good performance for Habib. And, you know, now the discussion, again, he got another 10-8 round. He gets a minimum one every time he fights. Now, it seems he probably holds the record for the most 10-8 rounds in the UFC since judges started to actually give them out. And um, the debate now is is whether or not Habib is the greatest of all time. And um, I know Luke Thomas put on put up a video on YouTube a few days ago saying that he leans towards Khabib um, in the fight. Um, first of all, you know, and I have to break myself out of this habit as well. But we we need to get the pronunciation of his name right. It's not Habib. It's not Khabib. Like I just said, it's Habib. And it's not Nemargamedov, Gamedov; it's Nurmuhamedov. Okay, so you know it's like Muhammad, um and and I think it's it's something that annoys me because when you see a lot of these announcers, fans, reporters, journalists, and so on. Um pronounce his name more often than not they get it wrong, but when it comes to fighters from Brazil and so on, they put the whole Brazilian accent complete with rolling tongue out there to get their names correctly and this is one of the um easier names in my opinion to pronounce and with people like john annick and and you know those. Actually, working for the US UFC on the pay-per-view broadcast, or working for ESPN or whatever, they actually get recorded clips of these fighters saying their name correctly, teaching you how to pronounce their names. Um, so I think um, it's a little disrespectful to not pronounce the name correctly, and for those of us who have a habit of pronouncing it a certain way, we we really need to catch, catch ourselves and you know fix that error because. I mean if we're willing to do it for other fighters, why not try to do that for everyone? Um but where I was going with that. Yeah, um Luke Thomas was saying he was leaning towards uh Habib in, in the GOAT dis- discussion and he was comparing him to John Jones and put his criteria out there for how he judge judges um whether or not someone is the goat. Um the problem with that is if you're gonna include John Jones in the discussion, then John Jones you know, is at worst number two, at, at worst number two. For me, number one is, is GSP because he didn't have the PED um, issues. Uh, he dominated um, a lot of different fighters, top fighters, Hall of Famers, pound for pound greats. He um, was a well-rounded guy. He was in one of the deepest divisions and he was consistent. He had a couple of losses, but he was consistent and he avenged all his losses. Um, John Jones, again, if he's in the discussion and not disqualified for popping, then I think he his longevity, the amount of time he spent in the UFC, um, kind of puts him over Habib. And, you know, I, I think many times his dominance is overstated. And what I mean by that is that I think he caught many of the Uh, like heavyweight legends like rampage um rashad um you know guys like that um shogun he caught them all at the right time you know they've been through these wars over the years and they they really weren't the same fighters that they used to be especially with um a lot of fighters coming over from japan coming over for pride or whatever they couldn't use as much as they were before just being real with it Um, but he came in at the right time but he's dominated for years and You know, now he's fighting blown-up middleweights because he's, like, cleared out the division, um, basically. Um, Habib, much respect to him. You know, I'm one of the biggest fans you'll find. Uh, I'm one of the biggest fans of his you'll find. But he has only recently, in the last five or so fights, been consistently um, competing against top-level competition. I mean, there's the RDA fight... Seven or so years ago, I don't know how long ago that was. Um, But RDA was on a streak, but he had not reached um, his potential at that point. You can make the argument that he was already there. Yeah, sure, but he hadn't won the title um, yet. Um, So I think it's a stretch to say that Habib is is the GOAT um, at best. I, I think he's number three. But again, then you have DJ, what he did at Flyweight. You know, you have DC, even though he had the losses to Jones and and Stipe. You have to look at his resume. Um, Anderson Silva, of course, if you're not going to disqualify John Jones, then that means that Anderson Silva enters the discussion as well. So there's a lot that goes into this. Now, now the GOAT discussion, I think we're having two different discussions. There, there's one the general GOAT discussion then we're talking about the lightweight GOAT discussion and in my opinion he's clearly the GOAT of the lightweight division I mean you look at BJ Penn and the guys that he was beating he could have been more dominant if he had stayed in the UFC or the UFC had kept the lightweight title and you know all that good stuff you look at Frankie Edgar you look at Henderson, Henderson, you look at their careers, a lot of split decisions. They are not dominant. Never a point where you felt like they were clearly above the rest of the competition. But Khabib, when he's in there, he's dominating just about every second of every fight. No bruises, no cuts. Uh, for the most part, no danger. Again, he got tagged by Johnson, got tagged by Dustin, um, got caught in. A submission hole, but every top fighter in the history of the sport has had some adversity with Habib, it's not something that's really all that common I mean if you look at the Johnson fight what was he two 10-8 rounds or I mean if, if you say okay he got tagged by Johnson in the first so you can't give him a 10-8 round well he was on his way to another 10-8 round in the third round you look at the Edson Barboza fight how many 10 round 10-8 rounds did he get there how many 10-8 rounds did he get in the a quinta fight i think it was around two um he picked up what one 10-8 round in the conor mcgregor fight in this fight he picked up another um 10-8 so he's just racking up 10-8 rounds and I, I have to look up the stats for this but it really does seem like he holds the record for the most 10-8 rounds and like who else is is doing it really who else is dominating in this fashion fashion outside of habib maybe maybe a uh, Kamaru Usman but you see in in like Kamaru Usman's in a very very deep division as well too but um I feel that lightweight is even deeper than welterweight it's just so much talent out there um so I think what Khabib has been able to do is extremely impressive and something we haven't really seen in the sport before so he's definitely the goat of the lightweight division and one more title defense like uh what would tie him for the most title defenses in lightweight history i believe which would be three now the talk is who's not only who's next for habib but also who uh, stands the best chance of defeating him um so next for habib for habib is the um in my opinion should be tony ferguson without a doubt they both are on 12 fight streaks, Ferguson never lost his interim title. I, I feel like that Dustin Poirier should have been referred to as the interim, interim champion. Um, he shouldn't really have been given a title because Tony Ferguson was the interim champ and Tony Ferguson turned down that fight. I don't feel like Ferguson would, would have turned down that fight if the UFC didn't strip him of the title. He should have defended that interim championship and then we would have had to clear Um, interim champion going into the Habib fight but um, Ferguson deserves it not a big fan of his big fan of his but I definitely respect what he's done in the sport very you know he poses an interesting threat to Habib in a sense that he has a lot of cardio which I feel also has been overstated I'll get to that in a second Um, he's a well-rounded fighter he takes chances he's not scared and and one of the reasons he would pressure habib and and like take chances and open up on his feet is because he's so good off of his back and he's so good in the scramble and the scramble is where he could catch habib and with the guillotine that he was in um if he was in that with tony ferguson i don't know if he would have gotten out and that's what's intriguing about the matchup now if he gets if Habib gets him down. Tony Ferguson is good off his back. He's good and this scramble. He's aggressive, but we saw what Kevin Lee did to him when he got him to the ground, and Kevin Lee's not even remotely the same caliber of wrestler as Habib Nurmagomedov, Nurmagomedov, I should say. Um, so, that's an interesting matchup, but I I see, um, I see Habib eventually getting tony to the ground as well and doing the same thing that he did to everyone else and then the cardio with with tony is good when he's able to take his chances have his space be aggressive and you know be his crazy self but is that cardio going to hold up when he's under a pressure wrestler like habib muhammadal i don't know i i don't think so um when people say cardio what are they really referring to they're not giving you any specifics A striker can have good cardio as long as they're on their feet. You take them to the ground, you ride them for a couple rounds, even a few minutes, and and that cardio um, begins to fall off. Now, we haven't seen Tony face a guy like Khabib with his uh, grappling style, his pressure, his aggression, and and so on. So I'm not going to say his cardio is going to hold up. Um, But he definitely has a chance. He's a very good matchup for um, Habib. But I think the nightmare matchup for Khabib is the GSP uh, fight. GSP has the style to defeat Khabib and make it a a really long night for him. And what I mean by that is GSP is a well-rounded striker, a high-level grappler overall, um, very good offensive, defensive wrestling, top-bottom Brazilian jiu-jitsu and um his transitions between his striking and grappling is just unmatched in the sport of mixed martial arts even as um like so late into his career you're not going to find people who who matches his transitions and things like that um so i i don't know if Habib will be able to take him down um it'll be an interesting matchup uh but yeah, man. If he if he fights GSP, that's the one fight where I think I, I might pick against Habib. Um, but this Justin Gaethje situation, everybody's saying Justin Gaethje is the is the man to beat him. But I don't think people. I think they're just repeating what they hear from other um, experts. And what I mean by that is, when you just say something like that, you you have to put it out there. Why is he the great? great matchup is it because of his wrestling credentials that's all they cite is his wrestling credentials okay but how has he used that wrestling in mma we've seen him get taken down by lesser wrestlers than habib like um michael johnson eddie alvarez you know so is his wrestling good enough to stop habib's takedowns i don't think so we haven't seen that now the, the another other another point they make is his aggression and power yeah, he has power, but Conor McGregor had power. He has aggression, but that's going to play right into um, Habib's game. So I don't think that's a benefit in this fight. I don't think this is something we can say, oh, this is something we can point to. This is why we think he's going to um, defeat Habib. Now, and then they talk about also his, his leg kicks. Well, if you look at the Eddie Alvarez fight, fight how many times did Eddie catch kick and trip him to the ground i think it was like three four times what do you think habib's gonna do he's gonna catch his kicks eventually and and start taking him down and dominate him once he gets there because we know that wrestlers traditional i mean you know historically they don't do well off of their back unless you're gsp with the brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt or you know somebody like that and then there's cardio Well, he was spent in the Eddie Alvarez fight. Now, Eddie Alvarez is not going to put the same amount of pressure on you that Habib Nurmagomedov is going to. You know, so I think when you think about his kicks getting caught, you think about his aggression playing into the hands of Habib, and you think about, you know, him potentially having to fight off of his back, and then you think about his cardio issues that he's had in the past, I don't see anything he... He's going to really bring to the table outside of a Puncher's chance, like they always say, to catch Habib. You know, so this is this is, in my opinion, is lazy analysis. Um, what I think is um, someone that that would be an interesting matchup would be Gregor Gillespie, a suffocating high-level wrestler, uh, but he hasn't really faced any top-level competition yet, and. How is he going to do when he faces someone that can take him down or defend his takedowns? Then what does he have? What's next for him? You know, but he's such a dominant grappler that you, you can't help but want to see that fight. Now, that's something for Gillespie that may be three fights away at this point. But if he keeps dominating in the way that he has, then we could um, potentially see him challenge Khabib, um sometime in the future. Um, but yeah, man, it was a, a dominating performance again for Habib. I, I love the fact that he brought um his father into the cage afterwards his his um coaches training partners, and so on in the cage and you know, Habib gets a lot of hate for being Muslim, you know, because a lot of people don't agree with his values they have a problem with him meeting with people like Putin and and I Kadyrov and you know those kind of things and who else has met with Putin you you guys still love Fedor don't you remember those people that used to travel with Fedor referred to as his handlers some shady figures he was dealing with right Uh, Conor McGregor met Putin and we know the shady figures that Conor McGregor has been around but only recently have people started to you know, show a lot of hate towards him. Um, you know, some within his own fan base now. Uh, you look at um, Kadyrov. Who else has met with Kadyrov? We, we've seen Verdum. We've seen um, the 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 most hypocritical point. If you look at Chris Weidman and Frankie Edgar, two of the most likable people in the sport, they don't get criticized for meeting with Kadyrov. But someone that lives in a region like Khabib They just won't let it go. He's the worst person in the world. And I get that he said some ignorant things, and I've criticized him for that. But who hasn't said ignorant things in the sport? Um, And it's not always directed at their opponent or the fighter. Many times it is directed at people's family and, um, you know, things like that. So I think it's a little hypocritical. I think what it really comes down to is like Jack Slack said on Twitter just the other day. That I want the person that defeats Khabib or Habib to come out as gay afterwards. Why would he say something like that? It's because he has a problem with the man's religion, you know. And you know, me being a Muslim, of course, I'm I'm going to um, agree with Habib on uh, a lot of things or support him, but I don't blindly support anyone when he made that comment about the. Um, young lady staying at home the one that wanted to be the fighter or whatever um it it wasn't the problem i had with that was how he spoke to her it was unnecessarily unnecessary and uncalled for um so there's a lot of things that he does that he said that i don't support but if you're going to hate on someone just because of their values because of their religion and things like that that just, that says more about you than it does about the other person you know so a lot of the hate that habib gets is because you know he's muslim he you know and he's really an unapologetically muslim and and that's something you know considering the climate right now you have religion getting attacked from every angle and especially if you're uh, muslim you know it's, it's really something that's looked down upon now so when you get athletes like habib and Muhammadov, and you get um guys like him who are willing to you know put it out there be proud like alhamdulillah after every fight you know what i mean it's something to really admire so but if you're a journalist and you're an expert and you're hating on a professional athlete because of their religious beliefs, their values, or you're picking against them because you don't want them to win. Is that really analysis? Is that really an expert opinion or is it something that you're holding in your heart that you just don't want to see the person win and it blinds you to the reality of things, the the actual matchups that could happen, the actual result the potential results and and things like that so if you want to hate on the man because of his religion and again that says a lot about you um but he's one of the most dominant if not the most dominant fighter that we've seen in the sport and i'm interested to see you know what the future holds for him i don't see him sticking around for much longer i think if he gets the if he gets past tony and he gets that gsp fight after tony i think we've seen the last of habib so but again, a um, big fan of his. And um, let's just try to like <laughs> pronounce his name correctly. It's Khabib Nurmagomedov. Are you looking for a good fight? Check out the fight pay-per-view schedule. Watch on the biggest screen in the house. What's the fight tonight? MMA, boxing, pro wrestling, live on pay-per-view. Just tap play and pick a screen to watch on. Playback shifts instantly to the screen of your choice. No hardware, no hassle. Download the Fight app and start watching today. Now a few other things before I get out of here. The UFC recently announced that they would be creating a BMF championship belt for the winner of the Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal fight and uh msg on november the 2nd at ufc 244 i don't understand this at all um he dana white came out at the uh, post-fight press conference of ufc 242 and said that the winner of the belt wouldn't defend it like these guys are the baddest on the planet or something excluding you know the donald cerrone's of the world um it's it seems more like a professional wrestling gimmick and i don't like these kind of things entering into the sport of mixed martial arts i don't like it at all and the the belt is going to be contested at well to weight 170 pounds i wonder if they come over the 170 pound limit if that would matter which it most likely wouldn't because it's not a real belt to be honest with you and if if, you know it's a promotional tool both guys have have decent sized fan bases jorge Masvidal has enjoyed a a spike in popularity um after his impressive victories uh especially the um five, seven, second flying knee knockout of uh former one champion ben Askren, um and you know the ds brothers have always had a, a pretty good fan base and it took nate a little while to catch on but nick has already always had one um, but the fans are wanting to see these two clash and, and how and, you know, I just I just think creating a BMF belt and I will not say the name of it. I'll just I'll just put the letters out there for you. Um, why not just schedule a fight at 165 pounds, make them drop five more pounds and. If you want to give them a belt then give them the 165 pound belt use them to create the division use them to launch the super lightweight division in the UFC because you already have fighters that can can compete at the weight Kevin Lee just announced because of his struggles at welterweight he's dropping back down to lightweight but I would love to see Kevin Lee at 165 I would love to see RDA at 165 in fact Habib Nurmagomedov could face GSP at 165. The winner could claim to be the greatest of all time with Khabib potentially capturing two belts at the same time, similar to Conor McGregor, Amanda Nunez, Daniel Cormier, and the Henry Sudrudos of the world. Or GSP could become the first fighter to capture three belts in three different weight classes. You know, so there's a lot that you could do with that division. I don't know why they don't um, do that. Someone suggested to me on Twitter the other day that they can, you know, make it for a make a 163 pound division, kind of place that right in between the two uh, weight classes. But I, I think the UFC should do something similar to what Brave Combat Federation, the Bahrain-based mixed martial arts organization, um, did recently, which was um, when um the Jordanian lion Al Salawi uh, was holding the welterweight title, they decided to open the super lightweight one hundred and sixty five pound division um and bump um sorry for the beeping in the background there's a car in the parking lot <laughs> um but they bumped Jura al-salawi up to super welterweight so they they changed the division from 170 to 175 pounds so they could put 10 pounds in between of that and the super lightweight division um so you know and they created a champion down there at super lightweight as well um I'm trying to think of who fought for the title. It was it was Manir Laziz, who's um, one of the top fighters coming out of uh, Team Noguera, uh, Dubai. Um, I forget. But um, the UFC should do something like that. And it would make a lot of sense instead of creating these promotional belts to where it's never going to be defended. It's not a real belt. It's a gimmick. And it just doesn't look good for the sport of mixed martial arts. And it's something that would have never been done under the Fatitas if they were still at the uh, head of the organization. Um, how did the fight come about? It came about because the UFC was trying to book a welterweight title fight between champion Kamaru Usman and um, now stripped former interim welterweight champion Kobe Covington. Um, but they couldn't come to terms with Covington. Um, Usman didn't want to fight with Masvidal, so they, you know, according to Ariel Helwani of ESPN, they threatened to strip Usman if he didn't defend the title and eventually uh, went away from Usman and started exploring a Jorge Masvidal versus Leon Edwards vacant welterweight title fight. Um, But that didn't go very far, and they eventually... Landed on the Nate Diaz Jorge Masvidal fight because they felt it was, you know, they can make more money off of that fight. They could promote it a lot easier. They have bigger fan bases. Uh, Leon Edwards is not getting any love, and I'm I'm one who you know everyone's a Jorge Masvidal fan. I'm not a Jorge Masvidal fan, and the reason for that is because you know he attacked Leon Edwards backstage after the fight. It was an assault, is what it was, and then he can't even be man enough to give the man. Um, a fight with him after he attacked him and and that's not you know that's not right to me everyone's talking about how he's this gangster he's just you know big strong masculine man and whatever and he attacks someone instead of um you know going one-on-one with them in a a sanctioned bout so that's something that I, I just can't let go and I think that you know, Leon Edwards needs his respect, so they need to put respect on his name, as, as Habib said at the post-fight press conference. But, you know, the fight's made. It's, it's a pretty decent fight going into it. Everyone's excited about everything. Everybody's hyped about it. I'm not as hyped as, as a lot of people in the industry are, but I think it's going to be a good fight at UFC 244 um, on November 2nd at Madison Square Garden now I, I i just want to say i told y'all <laughs> and the reason i say this is because um china's really young became the first chinese champion in the ufc history when she knocked out um brazil's jason Kane and i think it was like 42 seconds in china i didn't expect it to be that quick um but i did expect her to be champion if you've been following my work for a while you know i've been talking about willie Zhang way before most people were it's been about two and a half three years now um since i actually began ranking her in my top 30 um rankings and actually when she was debuting in the ufc i had her ranked at number 11 um but there was a lot of movement in the rankings people winning losing whatever so she didn't quite cracked that top 10 and then she finally cracked it and after her win over Tisha Torres I had her at number six right behind Michelle Waterson and then some more movement happened in the division and by the time the fight came around like she was number eight and there was a lot of criticism of the UFC for giving her a title shot um, when probably someone like Michelle Waterson deserved it More, But it was a strategic move um, because they created that um, UFC Performance Institute in China. So they were looking for that Chinese star. So they kind of bumped Zhang up, you know, to give her that opportunity because it's much easier to move into a market when you have a personality or a figure that the population of that market can identify with. And Zhang fit that bill. And she, you know, passed with flying colors. She's now 20 and 1. Um, I heard that that the fight that she lost, which was her first professional fight, actually wasn't a professional contest against Mingbo. Um, it was an amateur contest. So I think they're trying to get rid of that one loss on her record to be even more marketable. A, a 20 and 1 as opposed to a 20 and 0. Uh, star at 20 and that was going to be much more appealing to the eye um, so she's on a 20 fight win streak what 17 finishes something like that off the top of my head I don't know but she's equally dangerous on the feet and on the ground on the feet I've always um, said when I started talking to her her knees and elbows are you know women in the strawweight and either the flyweight division she's competed up at flyweight before she was a two division conlu champ um champ champ in china but those elbows and knees women in these divisions aren't using to the level that she's using it with the fierceness and aggression that she's using it and it's always going to be problems for people you're not going to want to get into clinch range with her and then her her body locks and trips and takedowns and everything they're superb as well look at what she did to, to jessica aguilar nobody has ever done that to um jack before um, but she's 4-0 in the UFC, two finishes, two decisions. Um, she's number one in the world at straw weight right now. And um, so who's next for her? And who matches up best for her? I'm not convinced anymore that Tatiana Suarez matches up well with her because of the cardio issue she had in the Nina Anasarov fight. Um, the Ioana Jack fight would be a good one. I'm a big fan of, of Ioana. Um, I don't know if she would get that done. But they're already talking about a Zhang Shevchenko fight, which is a mistake in my opinion. And uh, people are saying that Shevchenko is going to dominate her. I don't, I don't think they realize how good and how strong uh, Zhang is. Uh, it would be a tough fight for Zhang to win, but I don't see her being dominated in any aspect of that fight, to be honest with you. Um, but that's a mistake because that's a fight that she could potentially lose—a fight that she would not be favored in, and it would hurt her market ability to drop a fight right now. Um, at this stage of her career, I I think that she needs to be built up at strawweight. She needs to take on these challenges. She needs to build a legacy before she starts thinking about super fights with, with Shevchenko. And if she wants that fight with Shevchenko, make make Shevchenko come down. You know, don't go up right now. You know, build your legacy. You know, you're you're too important to the UFC for them to risk that. And I don't see the UFC making that fight because of that reason. So, um, you know, really happy that she was able to capture her first major MMA title. And look at um, and Len over and one she's doing some things too she's positioning positioning herself to get a shot at the title as well another chinese fighter and speaking of chinese fi- fighters jin nong Zhang, you know she's trying to become the um first um double champion in the women's division over in the one when she takes on angela lee so um yeah a lot of W M M A things going on right now and um Also on that same UFC 242 card, they had Joanne Calderwood taking on Andrea Lee. And not a big fan of Andrea Lee. Huge fan of Joanne Calderwood. Been following her career ever since her professional debut. But Joanne didn't win that fight. Okay, the the judges got it wrong. And it was some questionable judging on that card as well. Um, Andrea Lee won that fight. and, And she should have been given that win. Joanne thinks that she did enough to leapfrog Caitlyn to who, you know, that that doesn't make sense. And she's not going to leapfrog to Cajun if she beats Maya. And if she doesn't beat Maya, then Maya's going to be ahead of her too. So I think she's trying too hard to get a title shot and not focusing on the challenges ahead of her. You know, she's she needs at least one more fight before they start considering her for a championship contest and you know it's good for her she needs to continue to build more and more confidence build on the performance um I wasn't very impressed with her performance in that fight but she she has to do better if she wants to be able to compete because it's going to be an embarrassing loss against Shevchenko if she doesn't fix a few things Um, and then on this BJ Penn thing man last thing for the day show you know I used to be a huge BJ Penn Fan. When I first started watching the sport, around was it two thousand two thousand one, um, the the two fighters that that I enjoyed the most that pulled me into the sport of mixed martial arts were B J Penn and Carlos Newton, and to see the fall that B J Penn has been on as of late is is really disappointing, and what disappointed me the most was the reports of like domestic violence and his treatment to more women and everything and the UFC didn't you know address this publicly I don't know what they did privately but they didn't address it publicly to my knowledge a lot of these journalists and experts didn't address it really or they may made one comment and then went about their their day but what they did address was him getting into bar fights and losing fights on the street and stuff that's what everyone's all of a sudden outraged about not his treatment of women mind you but him getting into bar fights and losing against like drunks on the street and stuff and it's it's really disappointing to to see you know highly respected people in the industry take this approach like in my opinion you should have the strongest reaction to his mistreatment of women and you know the UFC wanted to. They said, Dana White saying that BJ Penn would never fight in the UFC again, but because of this, because of fighting outside of the octagon, he should not have been allowed back in the octagon. The second these reports came out, came out about you know his mistreatment of of women and everything, and I, it's just disappointing all around. So I hope we never see BJ Penn ag- again. He needs to go straighten out his life and focus on his character. Um. In his personal life, and just leave his fighting years behind him. So that's just my opinion on that. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to go to Facebook and like the MMA Scene blog. I've been kind of inactive. Just moved to Columbia, South Carolina. No longer in West Palm Beach, Florida. So trying to get things straight before I, you know, start putting out content uh, more consistently. And I think I've reached that point now. And um, you know, also, you can follow me on Twitter. At Idrees Crawley, I-D-R-E-E-S-C-R-A-W-L-E-Y. And, um, you know, be sure to, you know, hit me up on Facebook or on Twitter if you want to debate. If, if, you know, you have any comments for the show, what I said on today's show, then hit that feedback button and let me know what you think. I'll put you on the next show, you know, so your voice can be heard. Uh, Thanks for listening to the show i appreciate it and i'll be back in about a week or so with another episode take care